Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. It's the Bookwatchers Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. (laughs) Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our CPR producer, Riley Bray. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's a brand, wait, it is a brand new month. It's March. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's how it works. It is, yeah, that is how it works. Time just keeps chipping away at your soul. Um, (laughs) Speaking of chipping away at your soul, I last week we talked about Twin Peaks briefly, and um, I I'm getting back into it. I watched last week. I'm very excited to be getting back into this deep dive. I'm gonna I'm gonna save some updates on that for the coming weeks. But I did just want to say, Bryce. That the Secret History of Twin Peaks book by Mark Frost, which canonically takes place between the original series and the return series on Showtime, has an entire chapter on the history of Kenneth Arnold and the Mount Rainier UFO stuff. Oh, really? So that's that's my mini 60 seconds to sell Twin Peaks. <laughs> Yet another pitch. <laughs> I'm my, on it, man. All right. I'm on it. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, we have an amazing guest standing by. Uh, so we want to get straight to her. But before we do that, I just want to do some quick housekeeping with you boys. Uh, merch. We got shirts. We got some stuff in the works that we'll announce in the coming weeks. Uh, if you want some BCC merch, like a t-shirt or a hoodie or a mug or a sticker, head on over to wearecampfire.media and slap that shop button. Uh, or you can click the link tree in our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Give us a follow over there so you can get all of your BCC updates. Uh, to support the show, go to our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, over at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club, where for just five bucks a month or nine dollars a month, if you want to if you mm-hmm. want to contribute to the new Riley tier, uh, you'll get a minimum of three bonus episodes every month. And then that second tier is going to get you beautiful, original ambient soundtracks from each of our episodes every week. So check that out. Then finally, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, guys, we had somebody tell us, you know, Spotify, we can't write a review. All right. We tried to open it up to you guys. So <laughs> now I'm now I'm bringing it back to Apple Podcasts because that's what everyone keeps telling us is going to get us the, the more eyeballs. OK, <laughs> go to gotta get inside that algorithm. Man. You got to get exactly. inside the algorithm. <laughs> Give us a five star review. Write us a little diddly. It doesn't have to be much. It can be something just like this. Raven Maniac writes. Solid show. Solid review. 
Five stars. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's all it takes. Perfect. That's all you need. Nail it. Oh, boy. All right. Let's get to our guest this week. I think we've got a very exciting show uh, for our loyal club scouts. Here we go. Yeah. Look, our next guest hails from Toronto. She's an incredibly talented and charming actress who also happens to have a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Toronto. She's probably going to wield that against us here tonight. She's known for her roles as Sonia on the hit CW show Nikita, as well as Jenny Mills on Fox's Sleepy Hollow. And for the fact that she can kick some ass, she's also the star of an upcoming psychological horror feature called The Other People, which she filmed in Nashville, Tennessee with me. She has a love of the paranormal <laughs> and Target shopping centers. Please welcome to the show, Lindy Greenwood. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi, welcome. Bryce, hello, what an hello. intro. Thank you. Oh, well, you deserve it. I also love that you managed to work yourself into her introduction. I know. Well, I yes, well done. Well done. I was like, that's bad, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, but that I didn't know how to come brand. around to it again. <laughs> So you guys did a, a horror movie together? We did. <laughs> yes, that's what we, we were out in Nashville together. Uh, as as everybody knows, I was in Nashville shooting something, and and Lindy was the 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 female lead, and she, it's going to be so great. I'm so excited for everybody to see it. You know, did you grow up with this stuff? Were you like a horror spooky fan as a kid? Yeah, I've always loved horror and spooky stuff. Um, I read a lot of like horror comics when I was younger and I just okay. loved scary movies and Oh yeah. yeah. Lindy, you have you have a Ripley tattoo on your arm, don't you? I do. Yeah, that's yeah. my awesome. um Isn't that yeah, so my awesome? dog Ripley. Named after yes. Ellen Ripley, right? From awesome. Alien. That that is correct. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are like, Ripley's believe it or not. And I'm like, you can just no, walk away no. from me right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good like test, you know, you could, you could find out. Yeah. It's a good test. I had another dog, a puppy named uh, that I named Ellie Arroway for Contact. Oh no! Um, oh my God! We yeah. did Contact for our. Uh, we did it for our uh, movie club episode for Patreon. That's such a great movie. Such so underappreciated. So good. I don't know why people don't appreciate it more. The yeah. sound editing, just ah, I love it. It's great. You, I mean, you're practically meant for our podcast. I know when we've when we talked, you said you were you were into this stuff, but let's let's jump right in, Lindy. What is your personal paranormal history? Well, actually, you mentioned um, Sleepy Hollow uh, when I was living in Wilmington, North Carolina, shooting the second season. I lived with uh, another actress on the show, Katia Winter, and we rented. Oh, this I know Katia down. Oh, do you? Yeah, that's right. I I wondered if you guys knew each other. We did. So Katya, guys, and listeners should know this. Actually, Katya's got to get on the show. Uh, She was the lead in the Banshee chapter, which is about, like, extra-dimensional entities and MK Ultra. So um, check that out. Yeah. Uh, Katya, yes, amazing. Awesome. Go on, please. Got excited. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's great. And... uh... We lived in this house right by the Cape Fear River. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and how do I make this uh, int- lo- short? Basically, don't. the don't. curtains <laughs> don't make it short. Okay. Yeah, go for it. We had uh, three stories to this house, and it was actually kind of a newer house, but I mean, sitting on some very old land. One day, the curtains in the on the top floor were closed, and neither of us could figure out how that happened because mm. we didn't do that. And then a couple days later, the curtains were open and neither of us had done that. Um, and then they were closed again a couple days later. So we were like, okay, something's really going on here. Then her sister went to, came to visit and she slept in that upstairs area. And she had this horrifying dream of oh. two women just ripping the covers off of her while she was trying to sleep. And <sighs> she of course couldn't, couldn't sleep up there any longer. Um, I stopped meditating up there. It was sort of my meditation area. And I was like, you know what? Not as Zen as <laughs> it once was. Um, and I remember one night walking from my bedroom to the bathroom and I sort of had to walk by the stairs that led to that upstairs area. And I smelt sulfur coming down from up oh, there, snap. Whoa. which, you know, I've heard is not a really good sign. No. Um, and that <laughs> puppy that I spoke of actually Ellie Arroway, she was like 
two months old, someone had found her in a ditch and I took this, this puppy under into my care and I was sleeping with her in my bed one night and she woke up and started growling into looking at this, the corner of my room in the dark Mm -hmm. and just was growling. So I turned on the light and as soon as I turned on the light, she's, she, her like emotion changed, you know, she started going, hmm. And just like tilting her head from one side to the other, like someone was maybe dangling something in front of her or gesturing to her. But I, of course, couldn't see anything. There was nothing there. So I just kind of said, okay, good night. And I shut off the light and went back to sleep. Um, So, yeah, that was bizarre. That's creepy. At that point, we decided, yeah, it was creepy. But, you know, I don't know if you guys have experienced... Like you, you say these things and it sounds like it would be the most terrifying thing, but in the moment, for some reason, it wasn't that scary. It was just Mm. like, okay, this is the reality. There's something in here. It doesn't seem to want to harm me. I'm just going to turn off the light and go back to sleep. I don't know. It was fine. (laughs) Um, You were a lot braver than any of us on the show. (laughs) I'd be under the covers so fast. I Under the covers? I'd be under the bed. <laughs> but you never know what's under the bed. It could be worse. Yeah, right? that's true. So, that is where the monsters are. If I was running like a, a, you know, like a grift, like a monster grift, I would get a ghost to. I'd hire a ghost to scare a kid, you know, or a person, because monsters are always after kids, right? And then, and then scare them to hide under the bed, and that's where I am. You know what I mean? Ah, oh, decoy ghost. <laughs> yeah. I like it. And then your grip thinks you sell them like a bad insurance plan or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. I just never pay the ghost. (laughs) I just just leave down. Double grift. Wow. I ghost the ghost. It's that sulfur smell that gets me. I mean, so many times we hear about these reports where, you know, people are smelling this, you know, sort of obnoxious gas or this sulfur type smell that usually sort of is right before an encounter or some type of weird shit. That is deeply unsettling. Yeah. It was unsettling. That was more unsettling than the moment with the puppy. I think if my dog had been, you know, a little more scared when I turned on the light, then maybe I would have been, but she seemed really comfortable. Um, We also saw handprints on the windows on the second story, like outside. Were they (laughs) like such a weird house? Oh no, God, they were kind weird. of like child size. It was bizarre. <laughs> no. Oh, hell no. Yeah, that's no good. I Wait, mean, I'm, that could be child ghost or it could be alien gray. Who knows? Ah, uh, good point. Yeah. Did you say the handprints were on true. the outside of the window? Is that, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not good. Yeah. I mean, how do you sleep in a place like that after that? Not well. I... Yeah, I don't know. I look back at that time and I think, you know, in the moment I was just trying to survive because <laughs> my first time in America, really, you know, I'd moved down for the show and Katya was away a lot. She would just go home when she wasn't working and I would stay mm. at the house by myself. And yeah, it was creepy. Do what? Did you know any of the history of the house? Like around roughly what time, you know, like what era it was from or a- anything at all? It's bizarre because the house itself was pretty new. I think it was built in 2009, if I recall. But the land, you know, Wilmington is just so old and there's so much energy in that place. And we were right on the Cape Fear River. I had a woman come in. um, She gave me a massage and she, she claimed to be somewhat of a psychic. She said, before I even told her about the dream that Katya's sister had, uh, she told me that she had this feeling of women waiting like waiting for someone to come back. Hmm. And so I don't know if it was like a, maybe like their men went off, you know, in some ships or something and never came home. And it's just Mm. this sort of lingering longing. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds like some old ghost stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause you Um, never know what that house was built on. There could be anything in the ground under there, you know, or what stood there before, because, you know, the other thing is too, it's like, if time isn't linear, if everything sort of exists all at once in a way, then whatever was torn down, whatever house burnt down that used to be there is still there, you know, just in another era. So it doesn't matter if it's gone, you know. Um, 
spooky i don't i don't like the idea of these like it sounds like you got like the female version of the lighthouse where like maybe there was a lighthouse there the women went mad they started tear- i don't like the idea of them like <laughs> exactly. tearing the bed covers off of katya's sister's bed that's yeah and maybe it wasn't a dream that's i mean <laughs> it all started happening at the same time we had the air conditioning failed a man came in and fixed the AC in this crawl space that was just Ugh. above that floor that I was talking about. And everything started happening after that. Hmm. It was really weird. I, But again, a new house. So why something would be trapped in the crawl space, I have no idea. Yeah, that's weird. I don't like it. No, no. no. But I guess no, I didn't have neither. to spend the night there. So I mean, uh, <laughs> very know. true. Yeah. So what's your uh, what's your primer to all this stuff? Did you did you like aliens and Bigfoot and stuff growing up or ghosts and all that stuff? I want to hear about these horror comic books you were reading. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I really liked like Ben Templesmith and like the 30 Days of Night stuff. Yeah. um, Yeah. And when I was growing up, I just always loved um I, yeah, the paranormal, like ghosts and aliens in particular. I loved anything that made me feel that thing, you know, like it's, yeah, there's something more than this. And yep. um, when it's told well, you're just like, oh, this, it rings true, you know, like it kind of tingles. You're like, oh, there is, there is something else. I don't know what it is, but, you know, what we see and feel in this reality, I don't think can be completely all there is well they say that people oh, who i love that they say that people who encounter paranormal activity like perhaps you did in wilmington um that that's not typically the only time in their lives they experience that stuff and and strangely mm. we've discovered on the show that sometimes they've encounter like ufo sightings or other weird things that don't seem ghostly it was oh there God, that's any- so yeah you just like a memory just flashed into my mind um, that I had not even considered uh, bringing up tonight at all. Um, But when I was a kid, (laughs) good for you. It only took 200 episodes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. 190 episodes. I'm finding my uh, stride. Okay, here we go. I can't wait. Well, we used to do a lot of camping when I was a kid up uh, in like Northern Ontario. And I remember we parked at the side of the road, I think my stepdad must've been really tired, like too tired to drive to the campsite or maybe it was planned. I don't know. But for some reason, the adults were asleep and the kids were in the back asleep and I was awake and I looked out at the horizon, which was very, very dark, like uh, sort of the, the top of this small mountain. And I saw this light that was kind of like flashing And then it's zoomed to a completely other place on the mountain. And then it flashed there Hmm. and it zoomed Hmm. back and it, it was like this zooming light. And I watched it for God, I don't know. I was a kid. I was probably six or something like that, but it just felt like, I felt like I couldn't move either. Like I couldn't wake anyone up. I couldn't tell anybody. Um, but it was bizarre and it stayed with me ever since. Eventually it just stopped. Um, so yeah. Wow, yeah, that's weird. That sounds that doesn't sound like airplane behavior or like satellite behavior when something's zooming across a a mountain line uh back and forth. Yeah, that's I wonder, strange. I wondered, you know, like in my like now as a grown-up, would it be that strange? I mean, I was just a kid, right? But I remember the feeling of of it and it was just it felt very otherworldly mm-hmm. and also almost like I shouldn't tell anybody. Yeah. You know, a lot of people report sort of like a a, a personal sort of viewing to an encounter like that. Like it felt like personal. Would you you say that that was Mm. the case or like it was it was showing itself to you while everyone else was asleep? You know, that's yeah, actually, that's exactly how it felt. Mm. Um, See, I'm getting good at this, too, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it. We're really doing it. Just a little behind me. That's all. Just (laughs) catching up. About two minutes well, it's behind. It's a simple thing in a way, but it, it really stuck with me. 
Yeah. yeah, there's this thing. It's never a it's never a one off encounter. Even some of the most famous cases in history, like uh, even the Betty Hill and Betty and Barney Hill ca- case of abduction. You know, we further research and digging would find that, that Betty had sort of these strange premonitions all throughout her life, and she experienced, mm-hmm. you know, poltergeist activity. So, I think that's one of the big things. I think, I think I've sort of learned doing this for as long as we have that it it's never just the one thing it's always it's always just it's always more activity and like michael said sometimes it starts pretty young you know even the famous Mm -hmm. kenneth arnold cases when he saw those flying chevrons in 1947 a lot of people don't know this but after he saw those saucers those uh classic saucers he experienced sort of paranormal activity in 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 his home and around his family after that so it, it seems to sort of follow you or um, I don't know. There does seem to be a connection and, and, you know, I just wonder what it's the interesting it though. Cause be. I, I really like, as far as paranormal activity, like I always kind of wanted to experience something mm. yeah. greater, you know, and was like a little disappointed that it, that it didn't happen until sort of Wilmington and, you know, never really again since, I mean, every now and again, I feel something somewhere, of course, but there's no real evidence of anything to back that up. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know. My mom says she sees a lot of stuff, but really (laughs) she's also pretty dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of stuff does she say she sees like lights in the sky and stuff? No, she's, um, seen sort of spirits uh, Mm. and, and had people give her messages and things like that. Really kind of vague. And, but it is interesting. My mom and I will often dream the same thing. Um, Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. And we haven't lived in the same city for God, 20 years, but every now and again, I'll call her and be like, Hey, I had this dream. And she's like, no way. Did it end like this? And I'm like, yeah, oh, that's weird. So I don't wow. know that connection is. Do you guys ever talk? Are you, are you aware of each other in the dream at the same time? Or is it, you just happen to like, Oh, I dreamt I saw uh, this particular bird. And so did I, you know, or, you know, is there, is the are, they, usually are the dreams involve- significant? They involve each other, um, mm. but they're pretty mundane. It's not like anything, uh, but they usually involve each other. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess I've never even asked her, like, "Hey, did you dream of a you know goldfinch last night?" I wonder if we're dreaming <laughs> right. of the same birds. <laughs> yeah, that it'd is, be cool. That is weird. It'd be cool if you're like <laughs> did an exercise. You're like, okay, I'm gonna think of a word tonight, mom. And then I'm gonna write mm. it down. And then in my dream, I'm gonna pass you the note, and it's gonna the the word will be in the note. You know what I mean? And then see if she yeah. dreams of opening it up, and if it's the same word, you guys are dream and connected. You're dream then, twins, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know. That would involve some lucid dreaming, which I have not been able to do quite yet. Oh yeah, we've like, talked about this on uh, lucid dreaming on the program. Yeah, and what Michael's describing, or what can be called stuff like dream games, where you know, you can, you know, give yourself clues and find sort of hidden verifications of this shared liminal space that seems to be the dream world. It's such a strange phenomenon. And and yeah, all these things are so, so crazy. It sounds like you and your mom have a pretty strong connection uh, to be able to share a space like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, we do. It's weird, because it's almost like, uh, I don't know, there's, there's some type of entanglement there don't you think michael or i don't know can we like can you just like bounce into anybody's dream you think or do you have to be well Mm. it's funny because when lindy was talking about all this stuff my next question before you brought up your mom lindy was like if this ran in the family if any of this stuff ran in the family you know so Mm. my Mm. guess is that you guys i mean i think everybody you know, can argue whether you get along with your parents or not that like, you know, you obviously, especially your mother would have a bond, some type of bond with your mother, you know? And if your mom is tapped into this stuff, then maybe you have uh, some sort of psychic bond with her as well, you know? And it makes sense, right? Especially when it comes to moms, because, you know, you hear these stories of like, mom called me, she knew I was, you know, my friends tell stories of like, um, like my mom called me and was like, are you okay? And, you know, it was right after like 
I don't know, a car accident or someone's just feeling bad and mom can just, you know, the, the mom sense, you know, like kicks in. And if you think about it, like you were part of her body at one point, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So like <laughs> you were biologically, uh, like psychically connected and on a very biological level, you know? So I wonder yeah. if sometimes that bond doesn't break, you know? Uh, as people mm. are born and grow up, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? I just feel like if somebody yeah. used to be part of my body, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some energy yeah. connect connection still there. It's also interesting, like you know, things that she sort of went through before I was born, like that have an effect on her body and sort of her, I don't know, makeup as a human being, as a as a soul. I don't know, for lack of a better word, like how much does that affect? Am I affected by that as a person that came mm. from her? you know, just sort sure. of generational like trauma, for instance. Um, I find all of that really fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. And then take that lineage and go all the way back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And just how yeah. much that we're passing down or if any of that stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think, you know, there's, I know that people in sort of the metaphysical and, you know, and I can't think of a specific example, but I've heard of this idea that like, you know, memories are stored in cells and like memories are encoded in DNA and passed down. I don't know if that's true. Obviously, that's like not founded in any actual science. But I, I've i always thought like, again, kind of like what you're saying, Lindy, is like some of that has to be passed down biologically. You know, it just has to be because mm -hmm. we're all the same sh organism. We're all just, you know, spawning off each other. So true. Strange stuff. Yeah, I think there's like ways that we are connected that we just don't even understand at all yet. Like, you know, a little effects, the effects of just, I don't know, I'm kind of brand bullying. It's all the same thing that you were just saying, but I think we're connected in ways that we just don't understand yet. Agreed. Definitely. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to find out how strong your connection is to the other side or at least what you might be open to and what you might not be open to. Uh, this is a game we play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena, Lindy, rapid fire. And if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. Even if you're not all the way there, even if you're, okay. as long as you're like 51% <laughs> the way there. You say believe 51 percent. Oh, yeah, even if it, okay. but but you know you can communicate. This is just a fifty-one percent by the way you say believe it if you want to. Okay. Uh, right. And then if you're if you're if you're fifty or below, <laughs> now I'm I'm getting really specific. You're gonna say bullshit. <laughs> you're gonna say bullshit. Okay. You got those two options. This is a game that we call bullshit or believe it. All right. I don't like to be proven wrong, so I, I don't really want to have this. Uh, all right. All right. Let's just play. It's a very contradictory game. Uh, it's just fun. All right. Don't. Okay. And we all take it too seriously sometimes. But here we go. Uh, okay. Lindy Green one. On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Well, that's like a 48%. <laughs> Parallel dimensions. <laughs> Believe it. Psychic vampires. Believe it. Spontaneous combustion. Bullshit. Astral projection. Believe it. Ouija boards. <laughs> Bullshit. Alien abduction. Oh, man. Believe. Bull, bullshit. Believe. Do oh. Oh. Okay. That's like a 50%. Dog man. Uh, that's right. I said dog man. Oh, uh, I have no idea. Is that it's like, an option? It's like a man who's What's a, a dog, dog or a dog that's a man. It's like Sasquatch, <laughs> but a canine version. Oh, I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I've never heard of a dog man, so I'm going to say oh. believe it. <laughs> I think nice. we're embarrassed that we've heard of dog yes. man. <laughs> yeah. You've got let's, nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, you're fine on your side of things. <laughs> okay, you haven't heard about dog man. Have you heard of Mothman? Believe it. Sheep nice. Squatch. 
<laughs> what? That like sounds it. awesome. Yeah, it's like a giant uh, angry a sheep thing. man. Oh, man. Uh, bullshit. It's a little trilogy there. Dog man, moth man, and sheep squatch. Okay. Ritual magic. <laughs> Believe it. Levitation. Believe it. The healing power of crystals. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not laughing at crystals. I'm laughing at your admission of the belief in levitation. The way you said it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, crystals. What did you say? I'm sorry. Oh, God, this is such a fifty. I didn't believe it. We're living in a simulation. Oh man. Believe it. The government is hiding the truth about Elvis. <laughs> Bullshit. Alien-human hybrids. Um. Bullshit. Miracles. Huh? I don't know. Can we talk about what that means? Um. It's whatever means to you. Every day's a miracle. Uh, yeah. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> Reincarnation. <laughs> In a sense, believe it. Destiny. Bullshit. Life after death. As oh god, there's so much to say about that. Um, <laughs> bull, 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 believe, believable, uh, believe. That's a perfect believable, believable, believable shit, believable shit. Um, well, well done. done. You well, survived, you Lindy. That was, I okay, felt your anxiety. You I apologize. God, I, my hands are like, my, I'm, I'm clenching my fists. Why was that so? <laughs> we know you. It's we, know, we know who and what you believe now. <laughs> so, so, uh, I, I, let's get right into it. Let's get the big question right there. Life after death. What, what talk to us um, about that. Unpack that concept. Well, I guess I'm not sure I believe in like, an individual identity, like a soul that like is, has memory and consciousness of, of the life lived that mm -hmm. progresses on after death. You know, I think energy is maintained and I think energy doesn't, um, uh, isn't destroyed. So in a, in a sense, I think we probably go back to something, but I don't know if it's like so individualistic as like an right. actual, progression does well, that make sense how totally do you explain yeah, those sense. two waiting ladies in that crawl space <laughs> dangling a, a ghost weenie in front of your your I dog know. that seems like the survival of personality yeah i know it absolutely does and and that's my cognitive dissonance i guess like i yeah. don't i can't explain it um mm. i and I Maybe. would have said it's a dream, you know, like in a way, I think Katya's sister had a dream and we have these energies that we all understand and these emotions that we understand and maybe we represent them for ourselves as like spirits or whatever. But, um, but so many people that see these things can't be wrong. I just yeah. haven't personally. So, yeah. you maybe, know, maybe that's why be, I believe in them. Maybe it can be both ways, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. the personality doesn't survive death, but and these apparitions, these ghostly apparitions that people are seeing, maybe they're just some type of film, some type of playback scenario, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they're not real. The personality isn't held there. It's more of a, uh, a visage of, of who the person was. Yeah, I like the idea that like a ghost might be separate from the conscious being that parts. There's a great, obviously, I don't, Lindy, I don't know if you've seen... Um, what we do in the shadows, but there's a whole thing where they, they're vampires and they all realize that that means that they're dead. And then they realize they can contact and hang out with their own ghosts, which oh, is no. like, such a good episode. Existential, man. The best. Yeah, yeah. Even that, I was like, wait a minute, how does this work? And I'm like, actually, I think it works. It totally, yeah. <laughs> it totally works. That's good. They do it so well. It oh, works. God. Yeah. I love the little doll of Nadja. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, yeah. Miracles, you're a little like, don't bother. You you are you really are a Ripley, because I feel like when it comes to like aliens and like cool stuff, you're like, I'm in. And then when it gets to like more woo-woo stuff, you're like, oh boy. 
just don't know what it means, you know? Like, I feel like people toss these words around a lot, and it's just kind of, like, meant for hope. And look, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you got to hope, you know? But I don't I don't know what that means. Like, yeah. what, dog dog man is meant for hope, too. Yeah. Dog man <laughs> hopes. Why can't you hope for dog man? For us I believe I said uh, believe it for dog oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, we'll take it. You were okay. very generous yeah. with your Yeah. Belief. All right. Good. 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 We appreciate it. And so does Dogman. Um, anything in that list you were like, I got to circle back to this? Uh, what is the sheep sheep guy? Sheep man? Sheep, sheep squatch. Sheep, sheep squatch. Oh, yeah. Sheep squatch. Well, it's, yeah. it's, right, it's awesome. right there in the name. It's basically this large, upright, yeah. sort of uh, walking creature with woolly, I guess, hair or yeah. wool. West, probably West wool. Virginia. Um, it's, it's also known as the white thing. It's like a giant woolly cryptid with like Ram's horns. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Like we had a fun chat with Lindy and then she didn't come back for the second half of the show. What happened? (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we hope Lindy will still be here. All right, we're back. Lindy, are you there? I'm here. Oh, oh, all right. Faked us out for a minute. Thought we lost her. Yeah. Spot. yeah. All right, Lindy. Well, um, since you are a fan, it seems like, of aliens and maybe have seen an alien spacecraft uh, at some point in your life. Um, by the way, I wanted to mention, we, we kind of moved on, but that reminded me, your story about the light in the mountain reminded me of an area called East Eddy Ranch and Mount Adams that um, we've talked about on the show where oh, these yeah. strange lights appear around the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. And some people mm-hmm. think that like these craft are going in and out of the mountain and maybe going into some subterranean system or some wormhole, you know, interdimensional wormhole yeah. of some kind. But Very cool. Um, Have you guys done an episode on the Marfa lights at all? You know, we talked about them with, I think, Tom Everett Scott when Tom Scott was on the show because he had seen them. He had gone out there and seen Mm. them. But we haven't done like a full story of high strangeness on them. That's Uh, one we should do, though. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a fun one to really to visit. Have you seen the Marfa lights before? No, I went to Marfa and uh, I didn't see the lights. Um, But I thought maybe this is the the moment. Maybe it's all coming full circle. But no. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, Life's long, and now that you've talked about yeah. this stuff on a podcast, you're probably going to see something in the next, like you know, month or two. Oh, <laughs> that, damn! That, awesome. Aren't those, aren't those lights? Of, oh, go ahead, Riley. Was that said? I've also been to Marfa, and I also have not seen the Marfa lights, what? and I looked. Ah. So, mm-hmm. and I looked. I was there, and I make a aren't podcast su- about this every week. So, you I know, know. Right. aren't they supposed <laughs> to be somewhat? Aren't they supposed to be somewhat <laughs> consistent to observers? Like, isn't it supposed to be like a, a repeatable, observable phenomena? Or that's what yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Really? Well, I don't think they know. I don't think it's one of those things where it's like every Wednesday at seven fifty-two. They right, pop it's not up. like Old mm-hmm. Faithful in Yellowstone. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a conceptual art project of someone just saying, starting saying that they see it, and then it just it was willed into existence. Yeah, it's the knows? kind of place they would do that. It's true, Marfa. Mm-hmm. Did Marfa. you guys watch the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? By the way, no. Um, it's not like- great, but it's basically like <laughs> if Texas Chainsaw happened to like marfa <laughs> it's oh really yeah wow. it's like a bunch of hipsters like tr- and influencers trying to like build a, a marfa out of harlow texas and then you know leatherface comes for everybody oh that's awesome I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll watch that tonight i wonder if leatherface has seen the marfa lights <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question i don't know it is. Yeah. um all right we better get into it um it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Mm-hmm. Flying Saucer Review was an early UFO publication published in the UK during the 1960s and 1970s, described as an international journal devoted to the study of unidentified flying objects. The review focused the flying saucer phenomenon focused on the flying saucer phenomenon during the Project Blue Book era and remains a rich resource for stories of high strangeness featuring articles written by such investigative reporters as John Keel of the Mothman fame and Jacques Vallée. 
While tonight's story was not a front-page feature of the November-December 1968 issue, it's a standout for its contribution to the intergalactic canon of alien species. A quick sidebar here about FSR, as we're going to refer to it. It was founded in 1955 as a quarterly magazine. Um, Ran through the 70s. I'm not quite sure. I couldn't find, like, when it stopped being published. So, uh... If anyone out, out there knows, please please let us know. But um, you can find PDFs, listeners, of Flying Saucer Review online. Uh, there are collections of them that you can get on Amazon, I'm sure through the library, and issues on Kindle for real, pretty cheap. They're photocopies of the original magazine, so I really, mm. I don't know. I love it. This this stuff in, like, if you, if you look at a Flying Saucer Review magazine, this is my jam. This is the thing yeah. that always pulls me back in. And, you know, I don't know why I'm getting defensive about this. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, I've got like, we also got an email of someone who's like, uh, a listener just told us to stick to Bigfoot stories. And I'm like, I'm like, no, my thing is UFOs. And it's more and more becoming UFOs. And it's more and more becoming that UFOs are are, are Bigfoot and are ghosts. It's all connected. Yeah. Right. Um Anyway, I highly recommend you you just look at some of this stuff. There's such cool shit in it. I want to get some of these collections and read them. Anyway, sorry, I went off on a rant. Uh, so the story entitled Strange Encounter in VAR was told to one Lionel Trigano, a young investigative reporter from the south of France, and was published in FSR magazine not long after John Keel's reportings of the strange happenings surrounding the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. It was notable by the review's editor, Charles Bowen, for its similar involvement of winged creatures to that case, and another case he refers to as the winged creature of Kent, and more on that in a bit. Bryce, uh, well, Lindy, you mentioned that you believed in Mothman. Have you heard of Mothman at all? Are you familiar with any of this Ever, stuff? Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Cool. I actually watched the movie not too long ago. Oh, really? I rewatched it. Wow. Yeah. So creepy and yeah. uh yeah. Pretty interesting. So Bryce, just quick for our listeners who maybe haven't heard the Mothman, can you give them like the 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 quick like two sentence elevator summary of what the Mothman case was yeah, in, in West sure. Virginia? It was this giant sort of bird-like creature with huge wings and these glowing red eyes and with this face that sort of looked like a moth. I guess it had really big thighs too. Good Good yeah. size and uh, never <laughs> skipped leg day. Never skipped leg day. This Mothman, but uh, you know, as the story goes, a couple there was a couple couples necking out in the car over by the old TNT factory when they look up and they see this this creature, this winged creature, and it just sort of opens up its wings and descends and starts, you know, trying to scratch at the car, and they all just run away in haste, and the thing followed them all the way to the police station, but. Uh, you know, it wasn't just them that saw this creature. There were probably dozens of witnesses in and around Point Pleasant throughout that time. And people were seeing strange lights in the skies, UFOs, this winged creature. And it became known as the Mothman. Yes. And then, of course, it all portended the fall of the Silver Bridge. Right. Uh, the week leading up to Christmas. So. Um, I guess we're talking about this stuff because this is all happening in and around the same time in the 60s. And again, it brings me into there seemed to be this thing, Lindy, that happened in the 60s where like UFO stuff was like really kooky. Like the things that people were seeing were very weird and behaved very strangely. And like there were there seemed to be like more humanoids than you would imagine now today aliens just seem like they're all alien grays but like back then they were very they came in all shapes and sizes um so as it happened the eyewitness at the center of this story uh only shared it with Trigano, the reporter from fsr under the strict circumstance that his identity be kept secret he was the business owner of what Trigano refers to as an important garage in Herald. Um, <laughs> don't know what an important garage means, but I like it. Uh, he didn't want his clients to know about his involvement in the case and therefore is only referred to as Mr. S. Mr. S. Yeah, also, totally. the accountant was record. Uh, the accountant was recorded six years 
after the encounter took place and some details such as where exactly uh, the event happened were already becoming obscured by the fog of time. Nevertheless, I present to you a hidden gem of 1960s ufology, the VAR avians. Cool. Mm. This encounter took... By the way, I'm not French. I'm assuming VAR is how you pronounce the V-A-R. Something I didn't... I'm getting yelled at about pronouncing places lately. So that sounds we're, right. We're doing our best. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Val. 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 Yeah. Val. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this encounter took place in November 1962 in the southeastern region of France, known as VAR. Uh, so along the Mediterranean coast near the French Riviera. Ooh la la. On the particular November night in question, Mr. S described as a squarely built man in his 50s was driving along a minor road through the French countryside. It was dark and raining hard. Mr. S was driving with his brights on. As he rounded a bend, he came upon a cluster of strange beings huddled in the middle of the road, about 80 meters ahead. Mr. S slowed to a crawl to avoid running them down, and at that exact moment, according to the garage owner, that very important garage, they divided somewhat, quote-unquote, somewhat jerkily, which creeps me out, into two different groups on separate sides of the road. Mr. S rolled down the window, stuck his neck out to get a better view. It was then that I saw beasts, some kind of bizarre animals, with the heads of birds and covered with some sort of plumage, which were hurling themselves from two sides towards my car. The avian entities seemed to be on the offensive, so Mr. S sped away, stopping only at a safe distance about 150 meters further down the road. He looked back, and he could see the bird creatures running towards a hovering disc-shaped craft Mm. resembling two dishes resting atop one another mouth to mouth. I turned around and saw these things, these beasts, these nightmarish sort of beings which were heading with a sort of flapping of wings towards a luminous dark blue object which hung in the air over a field on the other side of the road. I saw this. I imagine, like, you're coming around the bend, and you're like, what are all these vultures doing in the middle of the road? (laughs) And then they stand up, and they're not vultures. They're, like, birdmen. And then they chase you, and then you watch them all get sucked into a UFO and fly away. Yeah, no, not a normal Chase you jerkily. 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 It Mm -hmm. it reminds me of, like, the Harryhausen animation, you know, which always creeped me out as a kid, too. Like, that stop-motion kind of... Like, again, not... Not lining up with our reality, right? Like, not like our. It's like his eyes are trying to capture the Catch movement up, of these yeah. things and can't mm. can't do it. Uh, the bird-like creatures were pulled into the base of the craft as if they were vacuumed up, or as Mister S put it, sucked up by a whirlwind. Mm. There was a dull clack, presumably the sound of the craft sealing its airlock, and in an instant, the dark blue flying saucer took off at a prodigious speed. Afraid that people would call him mad, Mr. S told his story to just a few people, including Mr. Trigano. Now, crazy? Sure, but perhaps Mr. S would have felt better, or at least less alone, if he'd known that winged creatures ascending from spacecraft were nothing new. For example, that aforementioned winged creature spotted in Kent, which was mentioned by editor Charles Bowen. Now, to be fair to my own timeline, this would take place a year later. But digging into FSR Volume 10, Issue 2 from March, April 1964, I discovered something called the Saltwood Mystery about strange lights and a winged creature predating Mothman Hmm. in England. One year after the avian encounter in VAR, four teenagers from Sandling Park outside of Hythe, Kent, witnessed a strange winged creature that emerged from an unidentified flying object. I think it's worth noting that this event also took place in the southeastern region of the country, in this case, England, and also in November. 
And again, it's those neck and teenagers again. Those pesky yep. neck and teenagers. It happens every time. I think these guys were just sort of bored and wandering around and kicking old cans of, you know, beans. But um, <laughs> but uh, on Saturday, nonetheless, Saturday, November 19th, uh, a group of teenagers, including 17-year-old John Flaxton, this is 1963, apologies, uh, 18-year-old Mervyn Hutchinson, and 16-year-old Jenny Holloway witnessed a reddish-yellow light resembling a star descend from the sky towards them and disappear behind a row of trees. Flaxton, uh, the young man, told FSR, Lindy. It was about 80 yards away, floating about 10 feet above the ground. It seemed to move along with us, stopping when we stopped as if it was observing us. The light was oval, about 15 to 20 feet across with a bright, solid core. It disappeared behind trees, and a few seconds later, a dark figure shambled out. The figure Flaxton and friends witnessed emerging from the light was shadow black with large wings and apparently no head, mm. or at least no discernible head. Mervyn Bartholomew declared, It was just like the ba- a bat with webbed feet and no head. <laughs> no fly head on that What's all this, then? <laughs> I like that uh, Lindy did a very respectable <laughs> and toned so down good. accent, yeah. and I just went straight for broad, straight for broad comedy. Strangely, the alien creature or alien creature wasn't the first thing on their minds when these kids saw this. The kids thought they were seeing some kind of you know. They're, they're, first of all, they were necking. You're right, so they didn't they didn't actually see any of this. Uh, no, but they thought they thought they were encountering a ghost. Because they couldn't understand what they were looking at. It was that weird. Over the next couple of days, more strange lights uh, occurred in this area, including witnesses seeing gold mists and finding tracks embedded in the earth. Uh, And uh, it was all adding up to the possibility that some sort of winged being was visiting southeastern England that week. So strange. Visitations to Earth by winged entities is nothing new. Obviously, in Christian mythology, there are angels and conversely demons. And bird-like and winged gods are widespread throughout global folklore, religion, and mythology. The Aztecs, Egyptians, and Sumerians come to mind just off the top of the head. Author Zechariah Sinchin, who was somewhat let's say liberal with his translations of ancient (laughs) Sumerian texts popularized the idea that a winged alien race, the Anunnaki visited earth over 400,000 years ago in his 1976 book, the 12th planet hailing from Nibiru, a distant planet in our solar system, whose elongated elliptical orbit around our sun only brings it into close contact with Earth every 3,600 years. Right. Anunnaki, also known sometimes as the Nephilim, mined Earth's most precious resources, gold, and were (laughs) gods to ancient mankind. Bryce, um, you've got to be familiar with Zachariah Sinchin as a former Coast to Coast listener. Man. Yeah, yeah. He listen. He got everybody started. Even like Eric Eric von Doniken on this Chariots of the Gods. Sort of his yeah. work laid the groundwork for all of it because in those ancient Sumerian conifers, they were like these rolled sheet, rolled clay drums that had. Uh, you know, hieroglyphic writing on it. And they also had maps to the solar system. And in their maps to the solar system, it had this 12th planet that nobody could figure out. And first of all, how they knew all the planets there in the first place was pretty impressive. Well, 12th because they were counting the sun and the moon. And then they apparently had Pluto, which they hadn't discovered yet. Mm, Um, But there's argument about like, how much liberty he took with some of these texts and you know there's you know there's a lot of controversy over how much of this is bullshit or not but yeah it is but there were they did have in their 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 mythology and their culture like winged alien looking gods you know what i mean totally there um so uh i don't know it's uh, it's all fascinating I, f- I find it fascinating that there's this there's this other planet that's on this sort of elliptical 
orbit outside of our own galaxy. Planet like it's X. So, it, it's, it's this famed Planet X that we always hear uh, so much about. And it's the cause of much great destruction when it passes by Earth every 26,000 years, flipping the poles on their head and causing great devastation. And, and these Anunnaki or these Nephilim or angels, devils, whatever you want to call them, are, are sort of the, the group of aliens that have been sort of maneuvering us all along uh, and having us, of course, dig their gold for them. Yeah, it's all, they just want gold. <laughs> That's all they want. We want really. that gold. No! <laughs> They're just like intergalactic prospectors. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, in a sense, you know, gold. Look, gold is a very valuable commodity to space know, travel and, and you know space exploration. Doesn't you know? it just seem like Zechariah Sitchin was like, "I wish I had some gold. I want gold. <laughs> like, why is it gold? If only I were a I space giant, and oh, I'd have all the gold." Um, so in modern UFO and new age lore, uh, there's an alien race called the blue avians who are eight foot tall, enlightened extraterrestrial beings that hail from the center of the galaxy, visiting earth in giant spherical ships and are working hard to liberate earth from dark forces. Uh, Hey guys, (laughs) pick it up, speed it up. (laughs) Avians. (laughs) Um, could it be that what Mr. S saw on the side of the road that fateful night in VAR is related to any one of these phenomena? Is there a connection to the Mothman? Or was it just another drop in the bucket of high strangeness that seems to interact with our reality? Sadly, we'll never pinpoint the origins of these humanoid birds, even if we encounter them for ourselves on some dark and rainy road on a cold and fateful November night. And that is the brief but tantalizing tale of the Var Avians. Nice. Mm, Love that. right. That's awesome. Yeah. Lindy, what the hell was that? Yeah. What do you think? Jeez, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's so fascinating that we see these things you know, multiple people seeing something so similar. Um, I don't know. I mean, one story you're inclined to think, I don't know, maybe there was some acid involved. It's the sixties, but like multiple (laughs) stories. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some really large, uh, flying, you know, animals that, that do exist. I was at a place this is true. outside of, uh, it was called the devil's inkwell. It was like in Nevada, outside of Roswell, I believe. Mm. And it was the first time I had seen a nighthawk. It's like a giant bird that looks kind of like a bat. Um, but it's way, way bigger. And so, you know, sometimes there's ex- explanations like that, but jerkily like a bunch of those jerkily moving into a spaceship obviously that th- doesn't offer that kind of explanation so i don't know yeah, yeah don't know listen what, what do you guys think listen to these listen to these two encounters i'm pulling up the magazine article so this was that same week in Ke- weekend in kent now i love this because these these other two eyewitnesses over the same week um this is the gold ship thing uh were 17 and 16 and i it's kind of like the dover demon thing that happened in massachusetts in 1976 where like something sometimes happens and like one person sees one weird thing in town and for like the next three nights a bunch of people claim to see it and then it's sort of a one and done Mm. so this is after um lindy's character and friends saw that that gold ship and the and the winged creature that was kind of like mothman um, this came from uh, a couple nights later, November 21st, 1963. The witness's name was Keith Croucher. He's 17. Occupation, apprentice, electrical engineer. And his his he says, I was passing the Brock Hill School football pitch, which leads onto the Sandling Estate, when I felt a sudden breath of cold wind and saw what looked like a golden mist beginning to cross the pitch. At the center of the mist was a solid oval light, that seemed to move slowly over the ground. The whole thing was about 20 feet square. I was frightened and I ran away. When I came back, it had gone. So like this weird gold mist or this UFO cloaking yeah. itself yeah. in this mist. And then I was going to mention that too, the light, like it always mm-hmm. seems to be like a, a brown or a gold light that like mm-hmm. comes before these sightings. Right. Yep. 
Yep, and a mist uh, we hear about, and Linda S. Godfrey talks about, sometimes there's this phenomenon of this like weird green mist that will happen. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, in the same area, November 23rd and 24th, another witness, John uh, McColdrick and a friend, 16 years old, says, After hearing about Keith Croucher's experience, I went with a friend into Sandling Woods to investigate. In a clearing in the woods, we found a vast expanse of bracken that had been completely flattened as if some huge, heavy object had rested there. Nearby, we found three giant footprints. There were clear footprints almost two feet long, about nine inches across. They must have been a full inch deep. On December 11th, we went down to the site with two reporters and found the wood lit up by a strange pulsating light. It seemed to come from the heart of the trees. We ke- That's crazy. We kept watching at a distance for over half hour and nothing happened ex- except the light. We were far too frightened to go any closer. Now, mm. these could just be kids pulling pranks, but still fun stuff. Man. Yeah. yeah. Love that. I love that imagery, though, of the light pulsing from the trees. It's actually mm-hmm. really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just I'm thinking about the Marfa lights. Sorry, now I'm stuck on this like brown golden light thing. But um, didn't didn't the guy say from Var he first saw a golden a brown light or something? Did I no? Make that up? Was w- I drifting? Uh, you were probably no. It's uh he was driving with his brights on, came around the bend, saw uh the the birds. And then they went into a ship, uh, Classic Saucer CS, that was like a dull blue color. Uh, So no gold in that one, but winged creatures a year apart, not too far from one another. I'm back on the Marfa lights. That's what's going on. Yeah, but I mean, it's true. A lot of that stuff, you know, that gold, that goldish brown, you know, glowing yellow red light comes up a lot in these cases. Listen, Um, every magician needs a good fog machine, you know? It's true. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. That's just some dry ice. Um, The most magical (laughs) thing uh, you could ever see when you're eight. Um, Final thoughts, guys, on the VAR avians. I really like those uh the blue the blue avians. I'm a big fan. We we need some more blue avian energy in the world. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it does sort of seem sort of like written out of a script of Hollywood. We're the the blue avians and we wear cool jackets with cool patches. <laughs> and it's like, what? What's all going on here? Uh look, I love these these winged bird stories, especially with the Mothman. I was really intrigued to know that something very similar how happened in England and uh, you know, uh, even prior to that. So Yeah. Same decade. Not, not sure cool. what what these are. I've been meaning to always read, you know, that Mothman sort of made a reappearance in and around Michigan in the 2000s. I think there an author wrote a book really? on it, uh, the Michigan Mothman, but yeah, that was, I've been meaning yeah. to read that. Um because I'm always Lake interested. Michigan. I think it was Lake Michigan Mothman. And yeah, the Lake about Michigan the stuff Mothman. that was happening yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, people um, were seeing so sort of ago. this. People were seeing and describing this sort of same type of winged creature that they kept describing that looked like a giant moth. So, is that the same creature? Is it the reemergence of a of a new creature? I'm not sure, but I definitely kind of want to dig into that. And I'm always fascinated with just what's going on with these these <laughs> winged creatures, especially. Uh, the Mothman. Um, are are they harbingers of doom, or are they uh, are they something else? Who and knows? what is their leg regimen? <laughs> and what is their leg <laughs> regimen on Wednesdays and Fridays? Yeah. <laughs> Did you, you know say there the were alternate. illustrations uh, with this, Michael? <laughs> um, not with this particular story. Uh, if you Google blue uh, blue avians, though, um, you will see some uh, pretty fascinating, uh, somewhat. I would say sexual birdman. Um, <laughs> but uh, there were no illustrations of this in this particular um, uh, copy of FSR. But oh, yeah. Blue avians are hot. What are you, yeah, you going to do? Blue avians are hot. Lindy Greenwood, oh, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. Um, As a where pleasure. can people find you or follow you on social media? And do you have any work or anything you want to plug? Oh, uh, well, actually, oh, oh, I'm yeah. kind of left acting a little while oh, ago. Okay. I, t- I went back to it to do this movie with Bryce and a movie before that. But right now I'm focusing on writing. And if people want to see um, me in the desert just being a weirdo, they can follow me at Lindy Greenwood um, on all of the socials, Instagram mostly. Love it. Perfect. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce, Riley, anything to plug before we head out? 
Uh, I'll just plug the same thing I did last week. Uh, the new season of Expedition Bigfoot is premiering on March 20th. Not only on Travel Channel, it's home, uh, but the Discovery Plus uh, platform as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. It's an incredible season. 16 hour long episodes of Bryce running around the woods looking for Bigfoot. <laughs> Awesome. And uh, yeah, uh, also echoing last week, uh, Spindrift Classic Soundtracks Volume 3 is now available streaming everywhere. And you can also purchase the vinyl at alternativetentacles.com. And thank you to so many of you that have uh, reached out and showed me pictures of getting your copy and uh, that's all the feedback. It's been it's been really awesome. So thank you guys so much for supporting the band and enjoying the record. Nice. Awesome. And my new podcast, Slate Your Name, featuring guests, uh, our first episode guest, Rachel Bloom, dropped yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day this episode of BCC comes out. Um, here's the official description of the show. Uh, actor Michael McMillan, that's me, chats candidly with other actors, comedians, and performers about the highs and lows of making it in the entertainment industry. From bad auditions to achieving pipe dreams, Slate Your Name celebrates the relentless grind of the working actor. So if you want to check that out, go for it. I want to thank everyone who has listened and followed us over at Slate Your Name podcast on Instagram. The first Patreon episode of that show is available for free. So in addition to listen, uh, addition to listening to episode one, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check out the first Slate Your Name Green Room episode over at patreon.com slash Slate Your Name for free. Um, so thanks, guys. I know. Now I got two of these. Now I got two shows. <laughs> I got to sell all your, your beautiful Club Scouts. But uh, I'm very excited uh, about this one. And I think uh, I think, uh, you know, Club Scouts will enjoy it as well. So thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. And thank you, Lindy. Um, thank you, Lindy. We, uh, we, we want to hear. Look, I mean, you're in you're in the desert. That's prime UFO viewing. Yeah. So oh, yeah. keep your eye on we the sky. We see skies. a lot of weird stuff in the sky out here. But sometimes it's just the uh, base. But yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lindy. Uh, good night, everybody listening, and go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.